0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 209. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Today I am speaking to you from Ubud, Indonesia. That is in Bali. And I do kind of feel like this is sort of an interesting place for me to end up as I am about to hit the one-year mark of travel. I left on May 4th or May 5th of 2016 to start traveling, and as you can see, there's probably some similarities between Eat, Pray, Love and Liz Gilbert's journey and mine over the last year traveling. Obviously, we've done things under different circumstances, but there are elements of travel and new exploration and ending one chapter in relationship and beginning a new life. So there are definitely similarities. And in her last part of her journey in Eat, Pray, Love, she ended up in Bali in Ubud. I'm actually pretty sure that's where she ended up too. So, so funny that I am ending up here. It was something that the universe flowed to me. I expected to spend most of April in Sydney and just kind of keep hanging out where my routine has formed or maybe not so much my routine, but just the familiarity that I have around the things here since I've been spending so much time in 2017 here in Sydney or there in Sydney, I should say, because as you're listening, I will have gotten to Ubud. So I will be there. I'm so excited to explore it. It is a spiritual area, a very spiritual part of Bali, and I have heard incredible things from friends. And one dinner, one fateful dinner, a few weeks ago, I was spending the evening with Amanda Daly, my friend here in Sydney, or there in Sydney, since you're listening. As you can tell, I'm recording here in Sydney and then I'll be airing this once I'm actually in Bali. But at this dinner with Amanda, she invited her friend, Ezie Spencer, who I actually want to have on the show coming up because she is an expert on the moon and phases of the moon and sinking your life to the lunar cycle, if you will. So anyways, Ezie was there and she was spouting off about how much she loved Bali and was ready to go there next. And I... Listen to her talk about it, and all of a sudden, something kind of clicked into place for me. I hadn't been finding an amazing Airbnb in my favorite neighborhood in Sydney, and things weren't totally flowing in that direction. So I was kind of at a standstill for what to do come March 31st. But once she started talking about Bali and how she was heading out there and loved it so much, I decided maybe this is a sign that I am not supposed to find an Airbnb here in Sydney, but I'm supposed to go to Bali for the month or most of the month, if you will. So that's actually what I'm doing. And I'm not exactly sure how long I'll be in Bali or Ubud or if I'll go to other places in Bali. Time will tell. So I'll keep you posted on that. But That's a really long story about how I got to where I am right now. Now for today's episode, this is our April Q&A and there are 97 questions on this post, which is far more than I'll be able to answer in one episode, which kind of sucks for those that found the post a little later in the game. So once the first maybe 40 or 30, 50 questions are answered, those people with the other 40 to 50 questions that just got to the post later won't have their questions answered. So what I'm gonna do this round, I'm not always necessarily, Necessarily going to do this, but for this one, I'm going to answer a part one today and answer the second half of the questions for Art Q&A. That way, I'm hopefully going to address more of the questions that were asked in this single post instead of just going with the most recent ones at the top from those that got there first. So this is kind of different. Normally, I do just post every month and then just take a selection of the questions from the post from that month. This time, I'm going to split it in two. So hopefully, if you've asked a question in the the March Q&A call out. Stay tuned if you don't hear your answer today because in May I will be addressing the remainder of the questions. Does that sound good? All right let's get started. So let me pull up on my phone the questions. I've gotten into the habit now of just actually pulling them up for you instead of doing all this preparation and notes, at least knowing for myself. Like for example, I really like when Lewis Howes does this on his show, and I find it really interesting to just hear his off-the-cuff responses rather than something that's super planned out. So that's what I'm doing for you guys too. I feel like That's what I like to hear out of a podcaster I enjoy listening to. So that's what I'm going to do for you today. So let's pull it up. We got Gina Julian who said, have you ever had one of those moments like Esther had with Abraham where they were taking a peek at this wonderful physical world through her eyes? Wow, what an interesting question to start with. I have not that I know of had that type of experience. But that's not to say that if there is some other source, like I said in the Brooke Castillo episode recently, this Joe, whoever Joe or whatever Joe may be in my own life, whether it's voice of intuition or something different in some way or another, I don't know if Joe has been using my eyes to to see through into the physical world. Actually, let me ask my intuition. No, there's nothing to see. There's only things to be within this time and place and all that is. Okay, so that's apparently what I just heard, so it doesn't really totally even make sense to me, but that is what I heard, so I guess maybe not for me. Now we have another Abraham question from Beach City Lifestyle who said, which Abraham Hicks recordings are your favorites? There are so many, I would love to know how you navigate them to get the most out of their teachings. Thanks. Okay, as I've said before, I definitely recommend starting with the Law of Attraction Audible book. That's the place to start. After that, I suggest surfing the waves of the YouTube Just get started, it does not matter. Go find the subjects that are interesting to you or the titles that call out to you. And I have faith that what you will find will be the things and the messages that you most need to hear. Now we have N. Nemetic. She said, could you talk about your intellectual information and how you've weaved together seemingly disparate teachings? Example, the PCOS hormone stuff with the consciousness and law of attraction stuff. Talk about your worldview writ large. Also, your show has changed my life. I hope I can come to a meetup sometime. Okay, interesting question. Can you talk about your intellectual formation and how you've weaved together the disparate teachings? I don't really know that I can explain that. I can tell you I've been doing personal development and studying work in these areas for the last 12 years. And to me, I am coming to a place of feeling or understanding consciousness or what I believe to be consciousness and seeing everything is connected and I've tried with friends to talk about how to explain this and I'm not sure if this term is used by other people. So if it is, I'm not necessarily using it in the ways that they imply, but I'm trying to create my own term to explain or try to convey what I'm feeling and the word that comes to mind is holism. So I'm starting to see spirit and science is completely interconnected. It's all kind of just different vocabulary for the same things in many cases. Now that doesn't mean I believe every single thing that anyone in the world has ever said, full stop, that's not necessarily true. But the things that resonate for me at a deep level in my intuition, to me I'm starting to see the overlap and it's just about understanding the vocabulary of whatever thing, be it science or spirit related, that they use and then know how to translate that vocabulary into the other languages or other points of view and perspectives that other people have. When you are able to do this, you're able to see the source of things as connected and one. So that is something that has developed, I would say over the last year, this perspective or paradigm of holism. That is probably the best way to describe things and I wanna actually do an episode in the future. I'm gonna see, I'm trying to find a special guest to help me out with this where I'm gonna tell you guys some of the real cutting edge, bleeding edge is the new term I've heard people start using, leading edge ideas that I have around all of this stuff, this holistic point of view. And I want someone to talk it out to. I think it will be most helpful for me to share all these ideas with you by sharing and explaining it to someone who's not necessarily familiar with these concepts. That way they can probe and ask questions and I can bounce off of their points of view to help explain to you guys what I am super interested in. Of course, these aren't things that are written in pencil. They're not necessarily things that are quote unquote universally true. They're just the newest ideas and concepts that I'm coming to consider in my own life and in the exploration that I am doing. I have a friend, Polly Alexandra, who said, we are spiritual explorers, and I feel like, personally, it's so true. I feel like a spiritual and scientific explorer, trying to sense and feel and intuit the connections between, like I said, science and spirit. Now we have Stephanie Sorati, who said, who has been the most influential person, aside for yourself and Joe, in your journey for your personal and spiritual growth? How do you suggest finding a mentor? Much thanks. Okay, most influential person, aside from me and Joe, good call, Stephanie, to say aside from intuition because you know I would've just blamed Joe slash intuition for being my influential person. But uh, as far as journey for personal and spiritual growth besides them, I would say that would probably be two, two. Abraham Hicks and Eckhart Tolle. Now Eckhart Tolle first, then I came across Abraham Hicks and that would be the two. And how do I suggest finding a mentor? I would suggest finding a coach, actually. So I love finding people that resonate with me on a deep, intuitive level to work with, and I'm totally happy to pay them for their time. So. I would look for mentorship in two ways. One, just find someone like, for example, Abraham or Eckhart that you just love their teachings of and just explore as much of their content as you can, whether it's free or whether it's books or classes, et cetera. Or also just if someone is doing one-on-one coaching with people to pay to work with them, that would be my suggestion. Tina with a K said, Jess, love your show. I'm curious about what exactly alignment looks and feels like. From your talk with Brooke most recently and the episode where you shared your struggle to find alignment, it seems like alignment is just another word for feeling your best or not letting negative feelings or thoughts drive your actions. I'm all for it. What confuses me is whether getting into alignment can also be a euphemism for ignoring things that are perhaps problematic or stressful whether within one's control or not would love to hear your take on this thanks okay so this is really interesting i definitely think that yes alignment is doing things that feel good so would it be ignoring things that are perhaps problematic or stressful? Now, if something is in your life and it is problematic or stressful, you have the choice to how much attention you give it. Now, ignoring something and stuffing it down that is actively in your vibration, that is not going to help you raise your vibration and get into alignment. It's only through... Processing those emotions, and that's module three of Flow with Intention. So, if you want more details on that, Flow with Intention might be your best bet of how to go through those negative emotions. But processing emotion is essential in order to raise your vibration. You can't just go from negative eight all the way up to positive eight on the emotional scale, if you will. You have to take it one step at a time. Or maybe not like negative eight to negative seven to negative six if you're going from like depression to melancholy, to anger, to, or, to rage, to anger, to frustration, to neutrality, to hopefulness, to optimism, to love. Let's say those are some of the example levels there. You have to take them a few at a time. So jumping from depression to joy, love is a really difficult thing to do. So you have to be able to go through them. So it's not about ignoring those things. It's about processing them a few steps at a time so that you can get to the higher place. Now we have Dr. DeBaron who said, in an episode before your travels, one of your interviewees had you ask your future self a question. How do you envision yourself 5 to 10 years from now and ask that future you for guidance? Knowing that your answer will be in pencil, do you mind sharing an example of that with us now? You're going to visit the future you. Driving, walking, what's the scenery? House, apartment, tea house, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Interesting. Okay, so guys, I really don't often now, especially when it comes to career especially, have any real interest in too detailed of a future vision. I am so much more interested in the present moment reality and what my intuition's calling me to in this moment rather than these future moments. However, that said, I can try it. So let's see. You said you want me to ask my future me in pencil an example of what it will be. Where do I vision myself? So let me see. This is so weird. You guys could do this too with me if you want. While I do this, feel free to close your own eyes and think about what your future self would tell yourself. But let me see. I don't know. I'm trying and I'm not seeing anything I can tell you what my ego would like or what my consciousness at this point would like, which would be obviously a partner and potentially a family as well, one or two children, but I don't really know. All that is will show me all that I need to know in time. There is nowhere else to be than where you are within yourself. Go enjoy in peace and love. Okay, so that's what I hear. I don't know, it's probably not exactly what you're hoping for. Maybe it's because I'm not trying to find this answer for myself right now that I'm having a harder time than maybe if I was actually seeking it because I wanted to know. Right now, I am more interested in where am I right now and how alignment am I in this moment with everything? but I do spend the time in the mornings doing my visioning. So in those cases, I'm not necessarily speaking to or thinking to a future five or 10 year plan. I just think about the things I would like to have in my life, which would include having a lean, limber, trim body that's flexible and strong, having a family and partnership and connection with my person that I am to be with. I think about the joy and the alignment that I would have, the emotional well being. So, those tend to be the things that I like to envision besides segment intending and thinking about the things I'd like for each segment of my day that is to come that day. So, that's pretty much what I like to think about. Now we have KK Kylie who said, how do you deal with feelings of selfishness if ever? When I try to listen to my intuition, I often find the decisions leave me feeling somewhat guilty or bad for others in my life or that I'm focusing too much on my own needs first. Do you ever deal with this? Okay, K Kylie, I'm not sure what you're hearing from your intuition. However, I don't believe the guilt is a part of the intuition at all. So I think the ego is the part that is feeling guilty or bad for others in your life. I might be as bold as to say, my personal opinion, this is just mine, does not need to be what you believe, but I believe that you having to focus on your own needs first is the way you have anything of value to offer anyone else. So I believe if you are truly to listen to your intuition, not to the ego, the desires of your heart are good for yourself and also good for others. Does this mean they will like what you do? Not necessarily, but I don't believe that you need to live your life so that others are satisfied with your internal alignment. It's not about them agreeing with your internal alignment. Your internal alignment is between you and you. But at the same time that I say that, I believe people that are in that internal alignment within themselves are the people that have the most to offer anyone else. Because someone living out of this idea of feeling bad or guilty for others is showing that other people need to rely on you in order to be well, which means that they're not learning to become the creators of their own reality and also recognize that they are responsible for their emotional well being. So, while you are trying to do things that are okay for other people's emotional well being, trying to make sure you don't upset them, what that ends up doing is showing them that they can be upset by other people. And that just continues to perpetuate this feeling of guilt and shame in the entire organism that is the human race. So, if we start to learn that we don't have to have our emotional well being, be shaken by other people in our lives and that we can actually learn to find that peaceful place within ourselves at all times, even when our ego is freaking out because of someone else's actions in our lives, then we have the ability to be, A, happy despite all circumstances. Not that it is like we're never gonna have negative feelings, but that we recognize the choice to have those feelings are within ourselves, not in the actions of others. And then, when we do that, we live from that place where, but we're being the example for others. We're showing them it's true for them too. So, let's say for an example, like children, you have children and you not being upset by the children and their actions shows them that they don't have to be so worried about other people's reactions to them. Now, this might sound crazy. You might think, oh my goodness, are my children gonna become super selfish and they're gonna be totally ignorant of other people's opinions or thoughts? No, I deeply believe that when you listen to your intuition, there is a connection to all things and all sources that is inherently Positive and kind. That's just a leap of faith that I'm willing to make based on my own connection to my own intuition over and over again the last seven years. But once we also recognize we don't need to keep tiptoeing around each other and ignoring, most importantly, ignoring our intuition because we think that it will upset someone else, we're giving other people the permission to follow their intuitions too. And like I said, I just don't believe that the intuition-led actions will ever actually take us to a place where we are evil or that we are knowingly actively hurting another being. I think that actively hurting another being comes from fear and that comes from the ego, not the intuition. Intuition to me lives at a place and frequency of peace, love, and joy. So coming from that place within and then allowing ourselves to fully own it just means we're emanating it. It means other people have the permission to do the same. It means other people's actions don't have the ability to remove that peace and joy within ourselves et cetera, et cetera. I'm kind of babbling at this point, but maybe some of that's useful. If it is great, if your ego finds it challenging, anything that I said, please write to your own intuition and find out what it's saying is true for you. Now we have Marie Fioreman who said, how did you know you were ready to date? Did you write your intuition? I feel like my intuition says I'm ready, but my ego is holding me back. Okay, well, if your intuition says you're ready and your ego's holding you back, you could ask why is the ego holding me back? That could be a great question to ask your intuition for more understanding around what the ego is holding on to, and therefore what you must let go of. But for me, with the being ready to date, I remember very specifically, actually, I was standing in an anthropology. I had just a few weeks before, right around that time, announced to you guys that I was single. So I'd been single for, I don't remember, a handful of weeks or a month or two before you guys found out. So Mr. Livey had left and gone out to Oregon before that, but I didn't tell you guys right away so I could process it on my own. So I wasn't dating in that interim period because I didn't want... I don't know. I felt like it'd be super weird if I went, let's, let's say I went on a dating app or something and one of my listeners found me on it before you guys knew I was single. I thought that would be super weird. So I didn't decide to do anything dating wise until after it was public, but I was standing in this anthropology and it was in the beginning. So I was still adjusting to the fact that I was single and not having that immediate companionship of someone in my life that I would talk to on a daily basis so regularly. And I remember Mr. Lively was snowboarding at the time. And I don't even think I knew that that's what he was doing that weekend, but I had tried calling him. I tried calling my friend Ashley to just talk. I just wanted to chat with someone because I was still, like I said, so used to having someone to connect with on a regular basis and neither were available. And I had this feeling of kind of like, loneliness. And I think on some level, I realized not that loneliness was bad. I don't think that that's necessarily true. But I think I had this realization that in that moment, it was time to move on to make new connections. I guess that's the way to put it. It was time to start making new connections. So after that, I realized, oh, that's why Mr. Lively couldn't talk. He was snowboarding, which was no big deal. But then realizing that moment of silence and like, okay, it's time to move on. There was just kind of this subtle shift in me and that's when I started dating. So that's just my personal story and it felt right and I just went for it. Now we have Pink and Pino says, Hi Jess, do you have any tips on coping with times of overwhelm? How do you approach maintaining alignment when the to-do list grows? Thanks. Oh man, overwhelm is such an interesting feeling. It's an emotion that I remember telling Brooke Castillo, and I think in Brooke Castillo's episode two that she had here on the Lively Show, she asked me what feelings I most used to feeling. And at that point in time, I remember, I think I said something about satisfied, satiated, and overwhelmed. And so this is something I definitely used to get more often when I was back in Ann Arbor, I can think of from time to time. So now I just say no to a lot of stuff. I think that's the best thing I can say is to say no. So looking at your to-do list and see which things are going to bring you out of alignment and then just say no to the ones you do not have to get done. Or if you do, pull them apart. Try to slow the river down. Don't try to do things so quick. I think especially in the US, and I don't know if you're from the US or not, but I think there's this like treadmill pace that people are on that does not honestly need to be as fast as it is. I know that's gonna sound crazy to people and they're gonna say, no, 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 it's true. It's a story you're telling yourself that this is the pace that you must keep. It is not reality. It's just a story that a lot of people in one area seem to believe in. It's not necessarily true. Once you recognize that, you have the choice to change it. So I would say try to slow the river down. Try to just flow with things a little bit more and say no to things. If it is not lighting you up, don't do it as much as you can. Just don't. I know that sounds like a place of privilege and all of these things, these stories get so triggered. I get it, I understand. And if there's something that you're getting triggered by, again, as always, write to your intuition about it. Often there are these ego stories that are just putting these shoulds on our plate that honestly don't need to be there. I can also tell you right now, the intuition for yourself is not in a place of overwhelm. So writing to it and finding out its point of view on your to-do list is the fastest way to find peace and clarity about what you must do or what you don't actually have to do. We have nine likes on that one, so that's definitely one that a lot of people had questions on, so hopefully that helps you. Now we have Tina Smith Design who said, "'I really enjoyed your episode with Brooke Castillo.' I've been listening to her podcast and she talks a lot about committing to make a change. You've talked about getting general and not trying so hard. I'm curious to hear your take on commitment versus not trying so hard regarding our shiniest pennies and how we can harness the power of both to get what we really want. Thanks, Jess. Okay, so I am not super familiar with Brooks' commitment to change. So I can't speak to exactly whatever she's been saying that you are resonating with, but I can just say what my take is on the concepts of committing to make a change. I do believe for me, my commitment to change has been to go from alignment. You guys have heard my episodes on quantum mechanics and quantum living lately. I'm guessing here in 2017, I have definitely been adopting or trying, experimenting, you name it, with the idea that when we are happier, when we find a way to go from even negative emotion, like I was saying earlier, to a more positive emotion and processing those emotions as we go, to go from the low ones to slightly less low ones to neutral emotions to positive emotions, that is the change I'm looking to make. So I'm not looking to make a change for any other reason other than that. And then from that positive place that I can hopefully as consistently as I can find, then I take the actions that flow and feel inspired from there. That's my commitment to change. So I also try from that high flying place, that high flying disc as Abraham talks about, to then choose my shiniest pennies. So not to choose them when I'm in the low place, because often my ego is so thirsty for those things. It's really seeking the feeling of fulfillment I think I will feel when I have them, but that actually precludes me from getting them. It's only when I'm in the positive place that those things are actually in my ability to get them and to have them flow to me. So yeah, I'm just a little different or I actually just think even in striving for alignment, which I said in the showing up is enough episode, even that can be kind of like going upstream if we try too hard. So trying to just be with what is and go to a more positive or less negative emotional state, whatever that may look like for wherever I'm at in that moment and seeing how that shifts my perspective. That is my number one game, period. Period, that's what I really focus on. So I don't know if that's answering the question, but that's where I'm focused on personally. Now, I have Pete Jessica who said, Jess, wondering how flow and alignment worked during your retreat in Cebu, since you probably had some set times for meetings and events, assuming it was more of a set schedule than you've had so far during your lively adventure. Just curious if your habits changed with more structure in your day. Sending you so much love and light, you've changed my life, and I've loved following along on your journey for almost three years now. Life with intention and flow with intention alum. Well, thank you, Jess or Pete Jessica. Thank you so much. Okay, so. The retreat in Cebu, that was a really interesting, interesting retreat. So I went to Tropical Think Tank and I thought I was gonna go for business advice even though I didn't really feel, once I got there, I was like, what am I doing here? This is something I signed up for In June or July of last year, while I was in Portugal with my friend, Joana Galvo, who was telling me all these amazing things about this experience, and since I was traveling, I was like, well, this'll be a way for me to experience the Philippines when I normally wouldn't, probably otherwise. So I signed up, and then as I got there, I was like, what am I doing here? It was one of those weird moments of like, I don't actually, I didn't perceive this feeling of like, I need to work on my business and try to improve or change it. I was just there because I had committed to it so long before. Well. I am probably not right now going to share exactly what came out of that, but I can just tell you it was great to get some business advice and meet some new business people. But really what that retreat did for me was far potentially bigger and deeper in terms of all that intuition and Joe stuff you guys have heard me kind of speak about. And like I said, right now I'm not really ready to share exactly what came up. But let me just say, potentially some really deeply personally and here on the show, shifting stuff came through from that. So it was a really intense period for me. And yes, there were meeting schedules, and events. So I didn't get to do my normal, you know, several hours, if it's possible, amount of research and alignment to get into alignment before working and I didn't really have time to really be working besides the event. So what I really do and made it non-negotiable and pretty much is my non-negotiable is meditating every day. So that was still happening. I would get up early for it and do that. I would also spend a lot of time alone when needed. So I also said no to things, even some meetings and events. One of the days I took a nap during that day instead of showing up for one of the things. So I even realized that this is optional. It's not something I'm required to be at. And so I didn't for all of it. And I spent some time, maybe more than I would have expected, being alone when needed because I, like I said, was processing some pretty heavy emotional stuff that came out of that experience for me on a non-business level, on a more personal and intuition and Joe <laughs> level. So, yeah, I, I showed up when I felt good and I didn't when I felt bad. That's pretty much it. That's how I dealt with it. Okay, so now we have Jessica L. Kelly. You said, how do you stay in flow when you are performing a task that requires patience and energy, but does not bring you joy, i.e. the process of building a website? Thanks so much, Jess okay, how do I stay in flow when doing something that requires patience and energy or does not bring you joy? Jessica, my suggestion here is to ramp up your joy and flow and alignment as much as possible before working on the site. Because I have a feeling that from that really high-flying high vibration place, you're going to either see a different way to approach the website to do it yourself, or you will even flow into someone else doing it for you or approaching it in a different way than you may have from the perspective of this is going to suck. I don't want to do this at all. And now I need to get it done. So I would say get into a high flying place and see what happens. Even before recording this episode with you guys, it's here. It's 317 p.m. in a weekday, what day is it? I think it's Tuesday today. And as I'm recording this, I actually just watched an episode on Netflix of Grace and Frankie. It's like a Netflix original show that brings me a lot of joy. It's kind of a fluffy show, it's nothing serious or anything, but I decided to watch it in the middle of the day at like 2.30 p.m. before I did this episode because I knew it would be something that would get me into alignment. So I would say, not that you need to go watch a TV show, though maybe you want to, or, and like I said, I'm not, it's one episode. It's not here binging for 12 hours and avoiding the work altogether. It was just this little thing while eating some chocolate makes me really happy. Let me do that before I get on the show so that I have the alignment to bring to you. I would look at the same process for your site. All right, now we have Ava Elizabeth T., She said, have you read any fiction books recently that you loved and would recommend? I've been loving these Q&A episodes. No, I have not read any fiction books lately. (laughs) So I don't honestly have a recommendation. I still love The Royal We though. That one would be my suggestion if you haven't read that yet. Now we have High Vibe Darling who said, what is the biggest lesson from your experience with conscious uncoupling? Ooh, this is good. Okay, so this is something I talk about with friends sometime. I like to think now of relationships like plane rides. As you know, I've taken a lot of plane rides lately, so it's something I can resonate with very deeply. All right, so a plane ride has a few things in common. All plane rides start with a takeoff, they have whatever length of duration of flight they're going to have, so it could be really long or short, and then they land. Okay, so relationships have a start, they have a middle, and they have an end. Even if it's something like you end because someone dies, that's still an ending. So there's a start to a relationship, a middle that is just a few moments or an entire lifetime long, and then they end. Now, what I learned in the conscious uncoupling, and I think this was my first conscious uncoupling, if you really think about it, my... Middle, mid-20s breakup was actually a conscious uncoupling, though it wasn't a term back then. It was a very positive, loving completion or evolution of a relationship as well. And what I did in both of these ends of relationships is I learned how to land the plane. So most people have pretty good job taking the start up and the takeoff of a relationship goes pretty good the flight can have whatever amount of turbulence and whatever amount of duration that that flight will have. So the relationships can be long or short, they can be turbulent or smooth, but the end of them, I think in previous generations, there often was a more stereotypical belief that you just crashed the plane a little bit, that like the endings could be messy, they could be negative, they can be vindictive, and all of those things can be that they're difficult, hard, and not positive. Well, I find and feel like the lesson I learned from both relationships is that it is possible to land the plane where both people are intact. The love that was shared during that flight is still intact. It doesn't mean that it continues in the same form on the ground. Now that you're on the ground, you're free to start a new flight with a new person, but you don't need to crash and burn the plane. You don't need to negate all the good that happened from that relationship in the past in order to start a new one. So it's not about burning the other person, burning yourself or burning the plane that was the vessel, the relationship itself. To cherish it and to land it, I think is the big lesson. How to do that to me, came entirely from tapping into my intuition. That's actually in my 20s. That's where I learned I had an intuition and how to tap into it in a regular way. All my intuition writing came from the difficulty understanding how to end that in a loving way, knowing it was going to end four months later than I knew. Like I knew in May it was going to end September 1st when our lease ended. In order to handle that, frustration or the discomfort that my ego had around that waiting period, I started writing to my intuition and realized that there is a place within me that is totally peaceful and loving and ready, willing, and able to land that plane in the patience and time that was needed. So that's my biggest lesson. Now we have Trista G. Berry who said, what books would you recommend to learn more about quantum mechanics in addition to the law of attraction? Thanks. I have a book for you guys. Before I kept saying I've been watching a lot of documentaries like Space Time on the YouTube channels and et cetera, but I do have a great quantum mechanic book. Please check out The Field by Lynn McTaggart. It is about 17 years old. I think she wrote it in 2002 or something. It is amazing. It might be a little bit overly detailed for you. She tried to bring it down, all this quantum mechanic stuff to a more like regular person level, But I can tell you, I could see it being a little bit detailed or over some people's heads if you haven't studied any quantum mechanics stuff before. Because I've been studying a bunch online, like I said, with Space Time, the PBS YouTube station and documentaries like What the Bleep Do We Know? and documentaries like think it's a science channel called Through the Wormhole, all of these purely science stuff. I've been studying a lot of video and content around quantum mechanics ahead of time, so a lot of what she's sharing is review for me, and some of it's new too, but for the person who's never exposed themselves to it, I think it's still a good place to start, but don't be surprised if it's a little overly detailed. Either way, I love it, love it, love it. Now we have Jess Batsikos who said, your episode with Gabby Bernstein really resonated with me. She's wonderful and such a strong woman please have her on again. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. And I could definitely see Gabby coming back on. It would be awesome to talk to her again. I agree. Now we have M Heff Photo who said, could you delve into the topic of respect and ego? I have built my own self-respect over the years, but sometimes it's hard to gain the respect of others that you think you need to toughen up or retaliate to gain respect. Have you had any experience with people like this? How do you handle it and listen to your intuition? Thank you so much for all of your insight, love your show. Okay, so I think I get the question. I think you said you've got your own self-respect over the years, but sometimes it's hard to gain the respect of others you think you need to toughen up or retaliate to gain respect. I am not exactly sure where you're coming from to know exactly how to answer this. So let me see what my intuition has to say on this, okay. I'm going to try to simplify this question so I can see what the answer will be. There's no need to gain the respect of others that you seek. Only know the respect you need is within, inside yourself. Once you recognize that that is where the deep truth and respect truly lies, there's nothing more that needs to be known other than the love within you for the people and places in your life. I don't even know if that makes sense. Sorry if that's not exactly the most amazing answer to that, but that's what I heard. So that's what I'm gonna go with. All right, more that matters says, hey Jess, what are some of your favorite affirmations and mantras? Okay, I really would default back to one that Louise Hay, I would say the mother of mantras and affirmations and our more modern era says, which is I love and approve of you. That is the mantra that I would say is my favorite. I love and approve of you, Jess, with your name in it over and over again. But the whole point of affirmations and mantras, by the way, is law of attraction here. So just saying the words, but being at the wrong frequency, not the wrong frequency, but not being at the frequency of actually loving and appreciating yourself or approving of yourself means nothing. You can do it over and over and over again. And everyone that's skeptical of affirmations is right, in part because they're often doing it from a place where their vibration, their emotional state is not resonating with the actual feeling of love or approval. So when you're saying something and you're not actually feeling that emotion, it doesn't matter, nothing's happening. Everyone that says that affirmations don't work is right when you're doing it from a place where your emotion's not tied to the actual frequency of that word. So, It's really about feeling those feelings of love and approval for yourself in order for those affirmations to be unleashed, to be unlocked, to actually create the experiences you want. So that's the name of the game. And that's honestly the thing I've been thinking about in the last few months the most is learning how to tap into emotions that we want to experience, how to do that deliberately. That is a thing that I am not necessarily great at yet, but once I figure that out, or as I have more to share on that subject, I have a feeling that will become more of my work that I share with you guys. Now we have M Glowing who said, thank you for introducing me to getting into alignment, Jess. It's become an incredible impact on my life these past few months. I have a few old emotional patterns. I'm still working to reprogram though, usually related to money and or external validation. Yes, she's a work and worth member. Oh, I love it. I don't know if you guys know that, but I had a class and I'll most likely relaunching it this year as well on self-worth and work. Her question is, what do you do when you find yourself spiraling down into an old pattern? How do you get yourself unstuck? Oh, this is life, right? What do you do when you find yourself spiraling down into the old pattern? That's the million dollar question. Now, this first part of this is gonna be for those who are not in the pattern right now. So if you're not in the pattern and it comes up in the future, try to Control-Alt-Delete the thought once it hits your brain. So as you get momentum, Abraham Hicks calls it 16 seconds is the magical number. If you have the same thought for 16 seconds or longer, then more thoughts like it will be drawn. So it's kind of law of attraction style. One thought will create or attract more thoughts like it if you consistently focus on it. Now that doesn't mean one stray thought, thought for like two seconds is gonna necessarily have momentum, but after 16 seconds, Abraham Hicks would say, that's when more thoughts like it will keep coming at you, and after a minute or 68 seconds, something like that, that point is when it flips over to a state where you're most likely, and I'm gonna say this from a neurological level, those thoughts and synapses have fired, they've sent messages to your hypothalamus, which is in your brain, and that's going to release the neural peptides, the emotions that are related to that neural network. So if you're having a negative thought, then you're creating the negative peptide of cortisol or something like that. It goes into your bloodstream from the hypothalamus and goes into the cell receptor site. So you could end up getting that feeling in your stomach or in your gut area. It could get lodged in your organs through the neural receptor sites as those neural peptides lock into the cells. And that's when you start feeling dis-ease and discomfort. It's when the emotion turns to a physical feeling. It's so funny when we say in our world that emotions and feelings are somewhat like synonyms. Well, if you think about it, the emotion is the neural peptide. The physical sensation we're feeling is once that neural peptide is in and activating the cells of our body, when we're actually physically feeling those physical sensations that are a byproduct of those initial thoughts. So when you have just that one crazy thought, the crazy thought like I'm gonna jump off this bridge or I'm gonna jump on this table in this <laughs> boardroom and start screaming at people or something, I don't know, whatever weird thought you're gonna have. One negative thought, just say, and this is my friend Faze does this, I forget where he learned it, but he just says in his head, Control-Alt-Delete. So he, literally in his mind, control alt deletes that thought the minute it happens. So it helps him reset. I know that I also think of uh, Stephen Covey and his son. I think it was Sean Covey that son that was a quarterback for Brigham Young University as a quarterback, and when he had a negative player, he made a mistake in the game, he wore a rubber band around his wrist and he would snap the rubber band to break that habit of that thought pattern and come back to the game and start refreshed. So maybe even something like a hair tie or a rubber band on your wrist, you could snap it as your Control-Alt-Delete, but something you can do to start the shifting of your focus away from a quick initial thought. Now, if you have a stronger pattern, an older pattern, that is a neural network that's probably very ingrained and your body's actually used to feeling those thoughts and then At feeling those thoughts, thinking those thoughts, and then feeling the feelings associated with them to the point that your body gets addicted to the emotions. Even if they're negative emotions, the body will still just be used to what it knows. So getting yourself unstuck from that is a whole nother, we could do a whole episode on that, that's module three of Flow With Intention. So I'm not gonna try to go, I could end up doing another hour just on that. But I'll say the quick answer is try the control Alt delete or this whole little snapping on the wrist thing to try to refocus you into the present moment. But for those longer, deeper habits, that's something to explore in another episode or through Flow With Intention. Okay, we are Almost getting to the top of our hour, so I'll do a few more questions and then we'll save the rest of these for next month as well. Now let's continue. We have A. Friedman77 who said, I'm curious about what your approach is when you go on first dates. What is your mindset like? What do you tell yourself? And what are your expectations so you have the most positive and aligned experience? Oh, this is fun. Okay, so I think about Abraham's approach to dating, which is I like it pretty good so far. Let's see how it goes. They actually say that would be their marriage vows as well, which I'm sure many egos will be rolling over and can't even believe that that would be something that they would say. But I think that let's see how it goes. And also just saying this is someone I'm having the pleasure of spending time with right now helps me to not be super duper obsessed with trying to make sure or figure out that they're the one or not. I have full faith that my intuition will tell me when I meet the right person. And until then, it's just up to me to enjoy whatever is showing up in my life that feels aligned and flowing for me in that moment. So just being there to show up to this person, to this experience, and to the pleasure of having this person's company in my life in that moment, and just using it as kind of a data collecting, recognizing that, I intuitively and rather deliberately and also a combination of non-deliberately, I'm just picking up on the pieces and elements of that person's personality and our dynamic that I like and that I don't like. So I'm recognizing that this experience is helping me to get greater clarity so that when I do find that right person, it's just going to click in. I'm just going to have had all of these experiences that are getting woven into my subconscious so that once I have this knowing, it's like all of those subconscious desires, once they're met, they just click in. I think that's what's happening for people, maybe when they have that feeling of knowing with a partner. And I've actually done a lot of interesting impromptu, non-formal, unformal, interviewing a people in relationships over the last year and a half and found that a lot of people do have that feeling of knowing that I sense in my career in their relationships. And it's been fascinating because I initially thought I would feel that in relationships but never had actually had it. And I'd always had it in my career. So I kind of talked myself into thinking that you don't get that feeling of knowing in relationships because I never had it. But later after talking to all of these couples around the world, I started realizing, oh no, a lot of people do. I just haven't personally had that. So now I am currently having the faith that I will have that experience as well. It just hasn't happened yet. So like I said, I'm just trying to enjoy the people and the experiences that I have in the process of finding the person I'll have that knowing with. Okay guys, so those are my answers to your questions today. There you have it. If you wanna find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, you can find me at Jess C, as in Carrera Marble Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash April 2017 questions. Before I share where I'm headed to next, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. Oh my gosh. FreshBooks, FreshBooks, FreshBooks. You guys know it, I love it. I love it so much because it's so easy to use if you're a business owner that needs software for bookkeeping it is as simple as that i hope you give it a try if you haven't already you can invoice you can track expenses you can have accounts for your team to be in there and having their time tracked you can have your clients go in and view invoices you can see when they've looked at it or when they haven't yet looked at it and so much more give it a try for 30 days for free by going over to freshbooks.com/lively i truly love it this is something that i have been using using since 2012 and I hope you enjoy it as well. Now for where I'm headed to next, I'm saying here in Ubud. I actually haven't learned exactly how to say that, so I may not be saying that perfectly right yet, but that's where I will be here in Bali and until Thursday, may something wonderful happen to you today.